Hey, this is Women's Soccer Spotlight, a podcast featuring the stories of women playing, coaching, and working in soccer. I'm your host, Sam Weber, and the goal of this show is to contribute to the ongoing dialogue about gender bias by highlighting inspirational stories of those who have forged careers in women's soccer and exposing unbelievable moments of discrimination. This week's episode features 2011 World Cup runner-up Lori Lindsay. So the Olympics are going on, obviously. Uh, it's pretty pretty exciting tournament to watch so far. Um, so I don't know. Let's start, like, you know, as a friend, I know you're really close with Megan Rapinoe. Um, so just what's it like? to to watch her kind of go through that ACL injury she had uh six or eight months ago come back recover and then make that Olympic squad like um yeah just what's it been like to watch such a really good friend go through all of that and then still end up making the Olympic team yeah I think it's um unfortunately this isn't Megan's first ACL so she had gone through it before and I think um you know I've been fortunate that I haven't had an injury so I don't want to say oh I know what she's going through because I don't but at the same time, I think she had had known what she had been through in the previous two. And she was like, okay, I want to um, work to making this Olympic team, set that as a goal. And then was like, we'll see see how the chips fall. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, just to watch her go through, all right, eager to, like, attack, like, rehab and get back. And then some, like, the lull in the middle where it's like, okay, am I going to get back in time? Um you know, go through being obviously sad and disappointed and just kind of, like I said, a lull. And then to be like, okay, I'm making headway. I'm feeling really good. Rehab's going well. And then get back to like a more neutral state, I would say, and then get, be given the opportunity to make the Olympic team, I think is huge. And it's a testament to what she's done previous as well. You know, she has like, not only is it like what she does on the field, but um, I think why, one of the reasons I love Meg, or not, I think one of the reasons why I do love Meg <laughs> is we have similar personalities and the fact that like we like to have fun. We joke around all the time and a team needs that, especially when you're in a serious competition like the Olympics and yeah. you want somebody to be lighthearted and can bring, can get along with everybody on the team and be lighthearted and um, bring out the fun and everyone. So not only is she going to bring that to the team, but also I think one of the main reasons why is because they need that, you know, yeah. they need that as a team. It doesn't matter how many minutes she's necessarily going to play. Um, but I think um, it gave a lot of the team a lot of excitement to know that she had worked hard and to get back and yeah. um, she's ready to go. Yeah, definitely. And with this being such a young team after just kind of the, the turnover and all the retirements that happened after the World Cup last summer, um, it's probably also really nice to have some veteran players who have, you know, been through, been on the national team for a while and been through this and everything um, also there. Um, Absolutely. The last thing I'll say about that, too, is I think that's always important because, you know, if um, young kids are listening, even parents, I mean, we all are so focused, like, on our goals on the field. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to that, to a team and to how a team performs. And that's just, like, how you are as a person, um, you know, both to your teammates and on the field. So, you know, I think that's important to stress to all these young kids, too. It's not just about what you're doing on the field. It's about being a good person and bringing out the best in others. Yeah, so. definitely. I think that's one thing people often learn uh, in college probably is, is a really important yep. time just because you go from being usually one of the best people on your club team and then you're, you get into this college environment and it may be the first time that you're not starting or you don't even play the first couple of years. 
um, and learning to deal with that um, and still learn how to be a supportive teammate that's contributing and, and learning that you can do that in other ways than just being on the field. Um, I think that's usually a really important time in, in players' lives to kind of develop that. But the earlier you can do it, the better, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how does this team compare to past national teams, Olympic teams, um, in your opinion? They're obviously pretty young. Uh, so there's been a lot of turnover. Yeah. So a lot of turnover. I think um, with, there's 11 new um, Olympians on the team, which mm-hmm. is um, amazing, um, which is awesome. Because I don't think we've had that in the past. It's always been, yeah. um, you know, we've had a lot of veteran players and been an older team in the competition. Um, and while we still have a ton of experience, it's exciting to see some of the new players step up. And, and I also think that this is just, we have, you know, we're starting to combine athleticism with um, skillful players. We've always been skillful, but I think around the world we've been viewed as like majority of the reason why we dominate is for our athleticism. Yeah. And while that's still the case, um, and I think that's kudos to the program and the money that's been able to be put into our program for such a long time. Yeah. Um, I think we're starting to see, even the best athletes becoming like just more thoughtful, skillful players and not just technically and athletically, but tactically as yeah. well. It's fun to see. And, uh, and a, that process is still evolving, but I, um, it's fun to see that. And I would say, you know, it doesn't seem, and you know, players could, um, you know, um, go against me on this, but <laughs> Um, there doesn't seem to be like one go-to player. Yeah. There's many, many quality players out there. You know, in the past we've had like a go-to to Abby Wambach, you know, yeah. and um, or Mia Hamm or whatever, whoever it is. Yeah. But there's, you know, quality, quality players out there, and everyone's getting the the job done. So that's yeah. exciting to see in the evolution of our game here in the U.S. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of interesting to compare this team a little bit to China, actually, because China also is a pretty young team. Um, and yeah, thinking about how the U.S. has continued to be successful, um, no matter almost the roster. Um, yep. It's interesting to compare that to other countries who have been dominant in the past, but then also kind of going through a big turnover or even looking at like Japan this year, not even qualifying for the Olympics after being in the World Cup final just one summer ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think goes into the U.S. being able to sustain that, just the development and, and the resources that we have here? Or is it something else? No, I would. Well, yes, I think those are absolutely um, factors in the whole thing. But I would say it's just 100 percent the the standard that's set. Mm. So we have so many, um, so many young players playing in this country. I mean, it's almost like too big of a country to mm-hmm. identify every player. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like immediately when somebody steps foot into that environment, you feel the standard. It is a standard of like excellence and continuously trying to improve. And the standard is to win and yeah. always win. And you feel that with the competition. I mean, everyone, for the most part, everybody's friends. And, you know, it's not um, <laughs> a team, you know. But yep. at the same time, everybody, you know, knows what that standard of winning is. And then, it, unfortunately, it's like, okay, either you can match that standard. Now, granted, yes, like coaches decide also. Yep. They have to say. But <laughs> either you can match that standard and that consistency at that level yep. or you can't. And that's why people are easily weeded out. Yeah. I think that's the discrepancy also, when it comes to like the NWSL, we have so many quality players there. But it's hard for some – that's even another step at the yeah. international level. 
it's hard for people to maintain that consistency, um, like 11 months out of the year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just think it's like the depth and, um, understanding of winning. And, and I don't think, um, all the countries obviously had the depth that we do, but I don't know if they actually have that standard of like competitiveness within their team yeah. for so many years yet, you yeah. know, and that, and that will come as their, as the countries continue to put resources into the women's team and, and they evolve as well. But I mean, I think that alone separates us. Yeah. Maybe they'll uh, figure it out from listening to this podcast. <laughs> Telling all the secrets. All the top secrets. Yep. So you you went to college at UVA and you played for Steve Swanson, who's an assistant coach for the national team and down at the Olympics uh, today. Did he bring that kind of mentality into UVA, or how did your experiences compare playing for him in, in those two different environments? Yeah, he wasn't really the assistant coach when I was with the national team. He's just come on in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think the one thing that um, really sets, sets Steve apart is just his, he always uses the word, well, I first used the, learn the word Kaizen mm-hmm. from Steve, that's just continue, it's Japanese word that means continuous improvement, so every day you're just, you know, it doesn't mean on the field, it could be off the field, little things that are going to constantly uh, make you better as a person, player, or, um, and then just improve. Um, but yeah, I think he demands that, um that level of excellence, but I also think he takes a more of like a mindful approach. You know, he's always breaking down the teams. He's not going to be this crazy rah, rah, rah guy all the time or yelling. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he's definitely going to um, encourage and push you to become a little bit better every day. And, and I think that's an important mindset too at the international level because um, sometimes you can get to the point where, yes, a team is constantly improving, but what can you do? Because little, little bits of the national team, I mean, there's details are what's separating people apart. And so it's like, what can you do to continue to um, kind of like revise, not revise, but like make little adjustments that are going to separate you. And I think that's um, a good outlook on the national team. Yeah, definitely. I recently met Steve uh, actually a couple months ago and just my first interactions with him and everything. He seems like that type of person really does bring the best out in people too. Um, he kind of has that just posture of, um, I don't know, he really feels like he, he cares um, about each individual person he's talking to, which probably is just such an asset. One for um, obviously UVA, but then two for the national team too. Um, I would imagine that he, he also brings that, that there. Um, but Cool. So uh, a little bit back to your national team career. Uh, this is a question I've asked you before, but what's the hardest no that you've ever received? Oh, man. Probably the no when um, I was going to be an alternate for the 2012 Olympics. So I was going to go and still travel with the team and do everything as a team. We just didn't get a dress for the games. And so I think because that was getting close to the end of my career. I had fulfilled a ton of, you know, I played on almost every youth or every youth national team. Um, I had had like a solid career injury free. Uh, I was constantly finding ways to improve my game and I felt like I had wonderful support systems. And, um, but yeah, I think that was tough just because I, I, um, you know, this might be like tuning my own horn a little bit, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I always felt like, my style of play at the mm-hmm. time that I was playing with the national team didn't quite mesh with the team. I was a, more of a passer. I was more, you know, um, yes, I was, if you look at like 
the average person. I was well above an average athlete, but if yeah. you're putting me up against like uh, Alex Morgan and speed or Sydney LaRue and like a foot race yeah. or other Riley and conditioning, I was definitely average on the national team. But yeah. I, I felt like I was well above average in terms of my understanding of the game and my knowledge yeah. and technical ability. And it just didn't really always mesh. So I never felt like I got like this major benefit of the doubt for that. Yep. It was just like, okay, well, we have these bruisers here that are going to tackle harder than you. And I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> it's not my style. I'm not going to tackle. I don't want to do that, you know? Yep. And so um, that was probably my hardest note because I always felt like, okay, wait, I offer something completely different than yep. what we have across the board. Yep. And plus, you know, I was at a time crunch as well because it was yep. towards the end of my career. I was getting, getting older as an athlete. And so, yeah, I would think that was 100% the toughest no. Yeah. I would like to see how I would um, fit into a more current team yep. now in terms of my style of play. Yeah, but, yeah the uh, style's definitely changed a little bit, I think maybe more towards, uh, yeah, just connecting. And, and like you said, there's not like this one player necessarily um, that like everyone is trying to get the ball to to like score uh, or win a game or something like that, that um, there's a lot more. Um, connections on the field, more passing done and, and kind of building yep. up that attack and everything. Um, so how do you recover from a no like that? Or what's, what was some of your mental strategies for just like, how do you not just, I don't know, sit in this pity party of um, <laughs> everything? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, uh, you know, I learned early on um, playing as well that you have to have like short-term memory right? because, <laughs> like, you can hold grudges and you can blame other people but that doesn't do any help you know it doesn't help anything yeah and so you know obviously that was a tough no but I was going to be going as an alternate um, you know I had had a very hard tons of hard work and um, crazy amounts of time put into my skill and my development but at the same time I had um basically achieved a lot of the stuff that I wanted to achieve, you know, yeah. and, and while I was disappointed, I also had to realize, okay, this is one coach's opinion. And if I'm just going to go around my entire life worrying about one person's opinion, then I'm like, this is going to be a shitty life. right? <laughs> so, um, I also had to remember that in that, like, you know what, like I put all my effort into this. I uh, maximized my athletic development. I had been working day in and day out on my skills and just like constant improvement. So I put that in. And if this, at the end of the day, this is like what the coach is going with, yeah. then so be it. I'm not going to be able to necessarily change that. You yeah. know, so um, it doesn't do me any good to sit around and sulk. While I was disappointed, I definitely allowed myself to feel that disappointment and the sadness in regards to that. Mm -hmm. Then it was like, okay, I'm still part of this team. Um, you know, I felt like I, um, again, like kind of, I mentioned about Megan Rapino. I brought a lot of like humor mm -hmm. and fun off the field as well. Yeah. So I knew I was also valued in that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's always an important lesson. Like some coaches, especially when you're in a team sport, it's like you have chocolate ice cream and vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Right. And so then you have like some, some are just going to like chocolate over vanilla and there's nothing you can do like about that. You know, you just have to keep being true to yourself and like what works for you. So, um, yeah. So yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, I guess it was chocolate ice cream and <laughs> you know, 
the vanilla, so. <laughs> yeah, well, and, uh, and you've said, too, like, Pia was the one that would always kind of go around and say, like, you can't let a coach define you or whatever. Uh, and <laughs> like, screw you. Like, well, like, now nah, this is like, I can't do anything about this, you know? You're like, <laughs> making the decision. Yeah, she would always say to us uh, about, like, don't let a coach decide how good you're going to be. And I'm like, well, you're freaking deciding uh, who's on the team, though. So this is, I'm like, are you, you're screwing us. You yeah. just don't want to have any responsibility. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm always laughing about that. I'm like, yeah, that only works to a certain extent. So yeah. <laughs> uh, if you constantly keep telling players no, then they can only get so far. <laughs> you should, uh, should have given her some uh, chocolate ice cream uh, after she said no. You'll yeah, like exactly. this. Just taste it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? If we beat you tomorrow in the Olympics at quarterfinals, Pia, I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so what went into your decision to retire um, once you got towards the end of your career? Yeah, I had always told myself, um, I, I mean, I love soccer. Um, I love playing. I really, really, like, I was fortunate because early on, I, I knew that I was going to have, like, being from Indiana, and, um, you know, at that time, it wasn't a soccer hotbed, and just, like, always seeking out coaches and resources. I really fell in love with the process and yeah. the journey of developing and um, training with, like, players in the offseason, like Becky Sauerbrunn, and, mm -hmm. and I really fell in love with that. Um, but, you know, towards the end, I could tell um, while I was, like, still loving it, my interests were expanding to other things and I was just getting the sense that it was like, okay, you know, um, my interests are moving on to other things and like, am I devoting as much time to soccer or is, or is my, um, you know, competitiveness and, um, still there. And I felt like that was starting to wane a little bit. Like I was still loving it, mm -hmm. but it was just, I could just tell that I was like, all right, now's the time to move on and put, um, you know, test yourself in other ways. And yeah. I had always been in love with like kind of like developing my athleticism as well. Yeah. And I enjoyed that process. And I knew that's kind of the area that I wanted to go into um, post playing. So I was getting more excited about that. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of like the process. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then just the last question, um, who's pushed you the most in your soccer career? I've seen some different articles or heard from some different friends of yours and everything that your dad has played like a really big influence. <laughs> so <laughs> was it him? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Larry Lindsay. I mean, he was a maniac. I would say <laughs> early on. Yes. He had like the, the biggest impact. I mean, because one, he was a lunatic a lot of the time, <laughs> but um, you know, I, it definitely came from like love and like wanting us to succeed and him to provide the best for us. So mm -hmm. he definitely demanded from an early age, like a level of excellence as well, which you don't think you see much yeah. in these days. Um, so that was a bit crazy. I mean, I wouldn't totally advise that any parents <laughs> going forward, but, um, but it did, it's still like a work, both of my parents, um, or all four of my parents, my parents divorced and remarried, mm -hmm. but, um, definitely instilled, a work ethic like work hard yeah. and definitely like take ownership of what you're doing so um well I believe nowadays like I'm in a position where it's like okay I want to give back to a lot of the youth mm -hmm. and provide them with um you know knowledge and just coaching that I didn't have yeah uh, growing up I I would also um I also encourage a lot of the athletes I work with 
to take ownership, you know, play, play soccer on your own, get the guidance that you need because you need to take ownership of your own career. Otherwise it's never going to be fun. It's not never going to feel like yours. Yeah. So, and, and my dad instilled that early on. He was definitely like, you guys are going to practice. You and your brother are going to practice in the backyard. He was building goals in the backyard. <laughs> so that's a little abusive in that regard. <laughs> it definitely set the standard for me as well. Yeah. And I think that fueled me going forward. Um, and then there's like countless. I've been so fortunate for the support and backing that I've had yeah. um, throughout my career. But yeah, yeah. definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Uh, this is great. And uh, yeah, you're, you're quite a character. It's fun to interview you. <laughs> Thank you. This has been awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it.